Welcome back, Cal listeners. This is Methodical Millions, episode 41. Thanks everyone for tuning in today. Cal, I wanted to talk about a concept, which is the ceiling of money. And the purpose of this is to review what went on in 2020. We saw money being printed. We saw assets rise and skyrocket in a lot of cases. And I wanted to top it off with a focus on Bitcoin because we just saw repeated all-time highs and it's been something we've followed and we've talked about before. So how high can an asset go? How does a currency work perhaps in terms of value or total sum of money in the market? And how should we think about this whole frenzy? It's very fascinating to see Bitcoin raise again, although not surprising, to be honest. I won't say that I had the knowledge or prediction that it would happen, but I just had a feeling that inevitably would see something relatively soon in the rise of crypto and Bitcoin especially. I wouldn't say it's the reason, but I would assume that one of the things that has helped Bitcoin go higher, there has, like you mentioned, quite a lot of dollar printing. And that might not necessarily be the case, but we see the dollar weakening. So the rise of the stock market, we see the dollar has broken the two and a half year low, which surprise, surprise, it coincides around when Bitcoin was last at its all-time highs. So it just gives you an idea that the dollar has weakened. And as a currency pair, so those who know a bit of foreign exchange or Forex is assuming that one currency of the pair remains the same, the drop of the second pair of the currency would affect the price change of the first, right? So basically, the Bitcoin US dollar pair, besides there is a limited supply that you can't just keep printing Bitcoin because there's a limited number of Bitcoins in the world. And coinciding with the drop of the United States dollar, it has helped at least increase the value of Bitcoin. So it's very, very impressive. Again, I'm no expert, but I don't see ceiling in sight. So how high can it go? Well, right now it has broken all-time highs. The last all-time high, I think, was 19,500 US dollars for each Bitcoin. At the point of this recording, it's roughly around, I think, $27,500 per Bitcoin. Very impressive. And it just makes you wonder, what's the future of currency? What's the future of cryptocurrency? How much more this thing can soar? And that's what's going through my head right now. Yeah, so Bitcoin's been that thing that is interesting as a techie guy because it's digital money. It's essentially off-grid. It's more of the promise of a good future almost. And this could be the currency used in space. It could be used anywhere. And the way it works is it's never been hacked. It's a ledger that is agreed upon by miners and people doing the proof of work system. And it's so clever because I don't know if it was intentional, but it actually has a monetary base. I think the first billion dollars or so hasn't moved in ever and are some lost, who knows. But what I find compelling besides the promise of wealth for millennials, I think is a good tagline because besides investing on Robinhood, there's no way millennials were investing money in the last 15 years unless you had money from your parents or you're exceptionally well off. And I think the fact that you can buy fractional pieces and buy it easily became popular. And 
not only North America, it's huge in Venezuela where the currency is not worth much. There's a lot of political turmoil. It's huge in a lot of places. So I always find investing is seeing value where others don't. And for every time someone says Bitcoin is going to go to zero and is worth nothing, it's always past that. And my measure of Bitcoin's resilience and strength is that pick a point in time, its biggest crash in the last two, five, 10 years. And whenever it crashed, it hasn't dropped below the biggest all-time high from years before that. So you're going to see these new local valleys where, yeah, it goes down. And although we can't predict the future end value, so in terms of where it's going to top off or cool down to, we can guess, but look at the charts. It's not going down and people bought it at cents at hundreds of dollars and now tens of thousands of dollars. And a lot of VCs who are into the tech space, I can name probably five that I know of that made quite a lot of money taking a bet on it early. So there are 80, 100x returns there and maybe there still are in the future. That's something that's still on the table. And go download Coinbase or CoinSquare if you want a wallet. Those are probably the two I like. So Coinbase is huge in US. That company is going to IPO. It's one of the ones I wanted to cover when it does. So stay tuned for that. And CoinSquare, cool group of people I've used in Canada. I'm a fan of that company. I actually met the CEO, which is cool. As far as I know, they're quite legitimate. But don't take my word on it. Definitely do your homework. So we saw the wild west of crypto exchanges would go off grid, lose money. It was not that exciting because people would, in the typical exuberance fashion, when you have a new investor who's not careful in their approach and not used to making money or having money, I mean, a lot of people did bet houses, put mortgages on the line. And imagine losing all that money, not being wrong on the price, but because the exchange was hacked or the money disappeared. It's still a little bit of a cautionary tale about where you want to hold them. And there's a very famous wallet called Nano Ledger. I think it's from France. You can essentially buy a physical hard drive, if you will, and it'll essentially store your BTC, but it won't just give you access. You need the special keys. So do some homework, take a look, get a wallet. I don't care if you put 10 bucks in, just please do me a favor and try it out. I'm not asking you to go invest in it, but just understand how it works. It's a cool technology. And whether Bitcoin becomes the Amazon of the future or something else, it's proven to be so, so resilient. And my prediction, I think with Cal, we were talking, was that a month or two ago? When it was nearing all-time highs, I'm like, okay, well, if it breaks, to me, it was 25K Canadian, which now it's at 35.7. I just checked. We're seeing 8, 10% gains per day. There's no stock market hours. It can just go up while you sleep. And it's been doing that quite consistently. I think it was 26K Canadian a week and a half ago. So huge, huge growth. I think I had called 50K Canadian by the end of the year. And it's not about being right, but the point I'm trying to make is with how I've seen assets appreciate and there's no quarterly earnings. You don't have to justify the price of Bitcoin. I don't know how many people are buying in, but the prices just can go crazy. And 
if it hits 50, what's another 4x from there or 10x or 25x? And I mean, I remember when it traded at $400 to 1,000 and I was probably late in the game at that time. I wasn't in the single dollar range. I don't think Coinbase was even around by then or at least popularized. People dreamed, I dreamed of the $10,000 coin. I thought it would be ridiculous if that happened. And that's essentially the 25X from 400. It was huge. And there are people who are really, really becoming millionaires off it. And this is not necessarily an advice piece or saying, go do this or go do that. But it's more saying, this is what's going on with the world. You should know about it. It's important. And Cal, I think the reasons you mentioned, the US dollar has just printed trillions and people should know about that. People should know if their sums of wealth are devalued. And whether you're holding gold or any kind of equities, bonds, you should know if the bonds are worthless. If the bond rates are cheap and the yields are very small, which are they approaching zero, those bond yields? And does that mean they're essentially worthless now? Yeah, the 10-year treasury bill is just under 1%. So who would want to buy a bond for 10 years and get less than 1% return after? They're not appealing, but it's not something that big funds or people with large accounts would completely discount because sometimes you need to park some money and that might be an idea. Whether it was good or bad, I guess it depends on your situation. I'm by no means an advisor at all, but it's there and we have the risk-free aspect of it. So you don't get that kind of volatility. Now, things can change because in the future, if the dollar would stay resilient and go through the rough times and perhaps maybe in two, three years, it's expected, I think, by the end of 2022 that the interest rates might start going up again. Whether that happens or not, who knows? No one does at this point, but that can affect many, many things. But it's true, man. Who knows what the future holds? And that's one nice aspect of having a decentralized currency. I've come across stories the past two months of people selling absolutely everything they have. Some people even selling the homes that they live in to buy Bitcoin. And that was before the squeeze up, right? So looking at it today, it seemed like they made the right choice. I'm not saying it's right, it's wrong. Again, who knows? But that's just the way the mechanics of this currency pair working. It's working out well for them at this point in time. I guess by the time people listen to this recording, they'll actually find out if Bitcoin has hit 50,000 Canadian or not. We're curious to find out ourselves, but it's quite fascinating. And it brings you also, like you mentioned, the idea of cryptocurrency in general. Is it more dollar related or is it cryptocurrency related or maybe a bit of both that's causing this huge surge in demand for Bitcoin and a weakening of the US dollar and maybe a bit of both is really helping the move higher. So at this point, it's quite interesting to see how this is turning out to be. It's recently broken its all-time high. So as we talked about earlier and we mentioned this before in a previous episode, there's no stopping it right now. But you will see short-term volatility. That's just the way the markets work and just basic economics of supply and demand. We find people that be satisfied once it goes up $10,000 from here and some people will start selling what they have. Let me just take what I can get because I made a nice profit because I plan on buying a house or buying a car or paying off my student loans. So there'll be some profit taking. There'll be some people trying to buy that dip and you'll see volatility. That's expected. Some people might be jumping in quite late. There are some people that bought at the all-time highs three years ago. And if they're still holding, they're now profitable. But 
Some people might have bought, sold as it dropped down, and then they bought it at a high again. It's just what they call volatility. And in the long term, which from an investor point of view, that's what really should be because it kind of cleans out the noise and clears out the volatility and you see a more linear shape to the graph in a way, putting it very simply here. But if you bought it in 2015 and it's still holding, you never sold through the 2017 melt up, if you like, and then the crash after that, and then basically complete silence effectively compared to what we've seen for the past two years. And then the rise of it again right now. To you, this is just another day that you basically still up, like you mentioned, since it was a few hundred dollars or even less then you're holding and you have a very long-term view of that. I think it's not a bad idea to always put your money where I think it should be, but it's such a volatile thing that some people will simply not be in it because of the volatility, not because they do not believe in it, because it's so volatile. It moves up and down quite a lot that they can't stomach it. They can't sleep at night knowing that okay, it's up 10% today, but it might drop 20% tomorrow and then go up 50% and then drop another 40%. And because not everyone watches this every day, but once you're in it, if you're in Bitcoin, there's no true application of it quite yet. Like you said, it's more of a promise in a way, but the idea of it is so promising that if you actually own Bitcoin at this point, at the very least, you're not buying it because of the promise. You're buying it because you're trying to make money. Again, depends on people. And, you know, the market is driven by fear or greed. And that's what drives it up or down. And I think the same goes for it in this case. Yeah. So on the subject of volatility, I remember seeing a chart that showed BTC's volatility as being less than the S&P 500, I think in 2020. And they had a similar correction in March. and I'm convinced it's these trillions of dollars printed that are making their way to somebody's hands, whether it's hedge funds or institutionals buying up any asset in sight. I think that's a huge reason why. And this has been, I won't get too political, but if you follow some of the loud mouthpieces on Twitter, there are a lot of talks about inequality with US stimulus checks and what $600 is going to do when people have taken trillions and made more trillions. And I'm on the billionaire side of people creating value in the world. So Elon Musk's and Jeff Bezos's of the world, good for you. There's no fault in what you've done. The markets have recognized the value of your companies and big deal, you own shares, you've made money. This is literally what we talk about every day. And I don't think it's wrong. I think they'll get richer. They're going to see the first trillionaire person in another five, seven X for Elon or Jeff. That'll happen. You'll see that. But back to government's role, they're kind of leaving people in the sand if big banks have the opportunity to make a billion dollar or $50 billion mistake. I heard a good tweet by Chamath. I think it was actually like a sound clip on NBC or something. So you can find it on Twitter. First of all, he's a billionaire. He's worth maybe $5 billion. He's changing the world. He's got his hands in a lot of things, in a lot of green energy, reinventing how we pay car insurance, reinventing how healthcare works. and these are the people I look up to who I know are putting us in the right direction. So it's funny how we start the conversation with, okay, how do I make money? Usually to improve your life. But other than that, it's just sitting in a pile. So unless you know how to allocate that, I think 
at some level, some meaninglessness to it. So having that bigger vision, I think is super powerful where the money does become fuel ultimately. So what I wanted to say was airlines made a mistake. They ran out of money. So why would you evict tens or hundreds of thousands of people because they can't afford the next month's rent? But these airline companies would get a $50 billion bailout. I mean, I get it. It's a critical infrastructure. It's part of US supremacy and all these other things. But that goes to show that there's no fair fight. And ultimately, I don't think as an individual, anyone listening should let the government decide if they'll be wealthy or not. Let the government decide what your quality of life will ultimately be because you can improve that on your own. And I believe in government safety nets, so healthcare and the basic essentials. And in Canada, I would argue that it's very, very good. I don't think I have much to complain about here. But on the flip side, where are you going to spend your dollar that's past sustainability? So do you want to put it in crypto? Do you want to put it in some IPOs? What's the answer to volatility is going long. So history is written by the victors, I know. So someone who invested in Apple 25 years ago can say they're smart. I'm not saying predict the future, write the past, but decide what companies are important. Put a bit of money, if it's extra money, instead of buying something at the convenience store or the marginal extra whatever you want to buy, forget the coffee cup, cut it out. Make sure you know what you're spending and put your money into something. Own things, own assets, own equity. And I think long-term, it's okay to be wrong sometimes. It's not the end of the world. I think it's better to be wrong and learn than to not do it at all. I think not paying attention at all is the dangerous part. I think you lose based on the long term, whether money devalues or your health deteriorates. I think it's something that everyone should be investing in something. Invest in yourself. That's fine. But build things, learn things. I think that's the underlying message I want to leave off here, which is what's the ceiling of money, which is an unknown, but you know what? What's the ceiling of yourself? What's the ceiling of your own potential? Why are you not thinking about that today? And why are you not trying something? Those things you wanted to put off, work on it, make some time. And everyone's got a different life and background, but I think ultimately you're in the driver's seat. So that's what I want to see. Whether it's researching something you heard about or saw online or actually try something new. That's wonderful, man. Just to add here, there was once not too long ago where people would give Bitcoin away and no one would take it. And look what it's worth now. There'd be a point where companies were dirt cheap and they were offering themselves for sale for other companies and people wouldn't buy them. And they are now worth more than an entire industry almost, i.e. Tesla in this case. I know we speak a lot about Tesla, but it is quite an impressive example and Bitcoin, uh, as I mentioned. So the ceiling that you put is really just what you set yourself to do. Whatever you think that that's the absolute best you can do, that's probably it. That's probably your ceiling. But if you don't feel there's a limit to what you can do, and then there probably isn't. And nothing comes easy, but nothing good comes easy. Everything that you enjoy in life and that you cherish and you feel that you truly love has come through pain or from suffering or through some sort of effort. And you are enjoying it now because you're reaping your rewards. Well said. I think that's super important. So let me actually finalize the thought here. Going long, go along on your life. So what a great analogy. We talked about volatility and 
What about the volatility in your life? So pretend your life is an asset class and your full potential is on paper. And sometimes or some years, you're going to have a bad year. I think a lot of people had a rough 2020. And, you know, it's not easy. There's a lot of change, a lot of hardships. And I think we focused a lot about the exuberance, the things that went well. But if you want to shoot us a line, tell us what was screwed up about 2020, what happened, what was hard, and we're all living the same life. And what it comes down to is volatility in life is normal too. So it doesn't mean you give up on yourself. It doesn't mean you just stop. I mean, you don't know what the next two, five, 10 years brings in. That is, I think, the ultimate perspective, which is no matter what the outside world looks like, you can change yourself. You can be better. You can pick yourself up. And the power of the mind is the ultimate. I think that is where you can really take 2020 and make 2021 awesome. So will we see a change in the economy? Maybe not totally. Will we see vaccines totally done? My guess is maybe early 2022, all through North America, but make 2021 yours. Start your New Year's resolutions today. Start them early. The power's in your hands. I think ultimately that is what I want the takeaway to be, which is volatility is normal. Play the long position on yourself, whether it's investing or building yourself, I think that is the ultimate reward. You'll look back on yourself and say, you know what, that was actually worth it. All those times I wasn't sure I'm going to find my way. I'm going to find things I love and build myself. So with that said, let's wrap up today's episode. That was Methodical Millions, episode 41. If you'd like to follow future episodes, you can find us at methodicalmillions.com or info at methodicalmillions.com for episode feedback. Thanks, everyone.